in, I'm not suggesting we all sit there and play with Lego, um, you know, um, in all <laughs> in all instances. But there is a real benefit to um, trying to approach something in a different way because the ways we're trying to approach it now are not working well enough. It's the time of year for larking about. Not that there isn't really a time of year for that. But as the nights draw in, we stay at home and we play games. We think about Christmas, we think about board games, we think about throwing snowballs at each other. We generally think about playing a bit. And that got me thinking about play. Why do we play? Why do kids play? Why do adults play? Why is so much of the game of life about playing? Animals play, humans play, everyone seems to play. So it must be doing something for us that's kind of important for our psychology, for our development, for us as people. It's not just about having a laugh, or is it? Well, I thought we'd have a look at that by talking to Lucy Hawthorne. Lucy Hawthorne is a campaigner who's turned into a serious play expert and facilitator. She runs a thing called the Catalyst Club, which helps adults play helps adults be creative and in the process of creativity using Lego and other things to set their minds free from the boring, serious personas that in many ways hold us back and get us thinking in exactly the same way you do when you're a child about what boundless possibility could look like and how we might interact with it. And this episode's a little bit different. Not only does Lucy talk to me all about playing and why it's great and what it does for us and how it might help us think about climate change, She shows me. She sent me some Lego in the post. So this episode features me messing about with Lego under instruction and using it to unlock the creative power of my mind, which it turns out isn't zero, which is nice to know. As always on Your Brain on Climate, when you hear this noise, it denotes wisdom. So that means pop into the show notes and you'll find more information about the interesting and useful thing that has just been referenced by me or more likely by my guest. And as your brain or climate becomes more regular, so I'm going to be doing at least monthly episodes, a reminder that I now have a Patreon at www.patreon.com slash yourbrainonclimate where you can chuck in just a couple of quid to help me meet the costs of this esteemed organ. I pay my guests, unlike a lot of other podcasts. I think that's important. It respects their time, and that means it costs me money. So if you want to chip in and you like what I'm doing, it will be gratefully received. So let's get on with the chat with Lucy. And the first thing we talked about was, why on earth do we like to lark about in the first place? Your brain on It's a good time of the year for playing and stuff. We like playing. I was um, rather waylaid by throwing snowballs at my wife several hours last night. It's a pro- I was actually thinking about that yesterday. It's a very prime example of pure play. Uh, sadly, not enough snow here where I am to, to, to go out and do that, but I'm, so I'm slightly jealous, to be honest. So what is play? Um, what is it? Like, what are we doing when we are a child or a cat or an adult? or a senior politician, and we're playing, what are we doing? 
It's a very good question and I think it's a slippery question. But the way I think about it is that it really is just a unique expression of, of yourself and your identity because play is something that is completely fundamental, innate to existence, whether you're a cat, a bonobo or a human, it doesn't really make any difference because play is actually one of the fundamental building blocks of, of evolution, to be honest. Um, so it's a fundamental building block of what it means to be alive. It, it, it massively influences how we learn, how we communicate, how we interact, and therefore, you know, the societies and cultures that we develop. So it doesn't matter whether you're a, a child playing snowballs uh, or whether you're a dog running around in circles chasing its own tail. Play is about that kind of really individual pursuit of joy. Um, and it's something that's really distinctive to people. But the the one thing, and maybe we'll get into this later in the in the discussion, is that play is two things. It's it's an act or a set of you know activities, but it's also a mindset, and that's what I think is particularly interesting to me. So let's talk about the first bit of that. It's about learning. So is that what we're doing when we're kids and we're rolling around or putting our fingers in the plug socket or whatever it is we think play looks like is we're learning basically you know how our bodies work we're learning how our brains work and we're learning what electricity is um yes yeah absolutely i mean play is just it's a constant iteration so it is a it's unplanned um it's kind of unspecified you're just experimenting you're curious And I think you can exchange the word play for lots of other things. So I often think about, in my context, I think about play as experimentation. And so there's lots of overlaps between the different terms and words we use. But ultimately, we're just feeling our way through being alive. So, yeah, when when you're uh, trying to put your fingers in a plug socket... That is uh, is a form (laughs) of play. Such a bad example, I'm so sorry. (laughs) It's explorative play. And there's other there's other kinds of play. So you can have more kind of rough and tumble play, imaginative play, dramatic play. You know, there's reams of child, um, all mostly child based psychology about what play is and what good it does for us. But essentially, we're just experimenting and learning and feeling our way through. <laughs> So it's just got, I suppose, in the same way as when a kid is a kid and it starts to act up, right? You know, that when kids start to stay, say, no, no, I won't, up yours, and all of that <laughs> stuff. And what they're doing there is a kind of very verbal expression of them pushing at the boundaries of stuff, right? Well, let's see what happens. What can we get away with here? And is, is that sort of what play is as well? Well, I guess, you know, it, it's an interaction. So I guess there's you, you can choose the way that you interact in that circumstance. So mischief is another word that I think of when I think of myself in terms of play. I was a very mischievous kid. I'm still quite a mischievous adult. In that incidence that you talk about, you could have a child who responds to the to the adult um, in uh, in lots of different ways. So your kind of more defiant example is perhaps that person's style of play. But equally for somebody else, actually their style of play could be much more... Um, could be much more introverted or, or quiet or contemplative but it's all about how you uniquely experiment with your circumstances and your in, your environment and ultimately how you express yourself which is why the issue is really important when it comes to climate because it's all about how do you tap into people's really really instinctive 
individual motivations and what makes us all tick. So that, in my mind, is why we're having this conversation, because it's about how can we help people engage in climate change more effectively by understanding human psychology and play is like our backbone. You know, it's who we are. Which is why it's all right for adults to do it as well. There's this sort of thing, isn't there, that adults is serious time and kids is playtime. But it's all right for adults to play, yes? Yeah, it's complete nonsense binary, this idea of work and play, you know, childhood, adulthood. It's a it's complete nonsense and it's just uh, we're just churning out paradigms of thought that are not serving us. And to be honest, a part of what's got us into this climate mess in the first place. So yes, absolutely, adults can play. And um, I think one of the one of the problems that I see is that these days we have a we have a play deficit amongst adults. So there's huge benefits of play. It's brilliant for our um, our connecting abilities. It's brilliant for our learning. It's brilliant for building trust, um, warmth, connection. It does all of those really basic things that we need to function. And if we're not doing that enough. Um, then we have the opposite. So, you you know, you'll have um, a lack of connection, a lack of trust, a lack of experimentation, a lack of creativity, which when we're thinking about that in the context of climate, it's obviously why we need play, because those kinds of uh, deficit circumstances are certainly not resourceful for us to get us out of the circumstances that we've we found ourselves in. Right. Okay. Now then, you sent me a thing. I did. You sent, you sent me this. You've got a nice rustling noise there. A nice rustling noise. Now, I haven't opened this thing, but I can see through the little window. I can see that there is some Lego inside it. There and is, this is what This is what you do, is you send people Lego. Yeah? <laughs> it's one of the things I do. I have developed a very, uh, very niche daily existence for myself. Um, yeah, so I'm a facilitator by trade and a campaigner at heart, I guess. But one of the uh, one of the things I really specialise in at the moment is how to link play and playfulness with climate action. And what I've done is I've sent you a couple of packs of Lego in the post because one of the play based methods I use is a method called Lego Serious Play, which uh, may be familiar to some people and not. Essentially, it's a method where you help people work through complex problems through Lego bricks. So instead of sitting around and talking about stuff, you sit around and build stuff instead. This is great. Have we got Rishi Sunak to do this yet? And if not, <laughs> how can we do it? Well, let's see if it works first, shall we, actually, before we Fingers do that. Right. right, I'm going to do this live, um, which might involve some this is a, making this time is, go faster. This, uh, is, this is play. This is experimentation. Um, so first for me as well. I am learning and experimenting, so shut up and let me do it. Right, okay, what do I need to do? What, 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 so what's if you want to just, uh, I think the big pack you've got, so that, that one, if you yep. just want to give the give the listeners a nice rustle, I guess. Uh, we've got a brown envelope um, that's got uh, probably about 100 pieces of small Lego in there, I reckon. Yep. You just want to chuck them out on your desk. All right. Should have got a slightly tidier desk before I did I, this. I was going to say I should have prepped you to tidy your desk. <laughs> I don't do that for anyone, Lucy. Okay. Certainly not for you. Right, well, how do I get into this? I can't even get into the envelope. This is going well. Please hold. You should. Uh, you should. It should just be a little popper envelope. 
You can just rip it. Oh. I'll go in they the other end of the envelope. They are reusable because this is no, climate fine. friendly. <laughs> to so ideally, don't rip it. Right, good. Okay. So you're going to just chuck that all over your desk. Done um, for the sake of brevity, I'm just going to give you 20 seconds, and I want you to put as many pieces together as you physically can. In any old order? Any old order. So 20 seconds. Okay. And while I do it, people can do this at home, right? You don't, do you need a special Lego set to do this? Uh, well, if you're going to do the, the Lego serious play method does have uh, specific kits, uh, but I tend to try and avoid using that because I'm trying to right. avoid buying lots of new Lego for obvious climate-based reasons. Hey, so some of these can... bits don't go together. Ah, well, there's your challenge. Ah, uh, Not right. all of them will. Right. So you're on about 30 seconds. I've been generous here. I'm going <laughs> to give you another 10. But anybody can use any set of Lego because it's just, uh, it doesn't really matter, essentially. You just need a good mix of different colours, shapes and whatnot. So I've been exceedingly generous, Dave. All right, okay, good. Five seconds. Look at that. I've made what appears to be a Lego person walking the plank. I think if you can get the, uh, if you can make the Lego man uh, or person walk the plank, um, because you're going to break that up now, I'm afraid. Oh, what? (laughs) <laughs> oh, I just made it. It took me thirty oh, seconds. It's okay. about iteration. Right. So take this one off. You're gonna you're gonna break it all apart. All apart. All apart. So uh, while you're doing that, there's a few key principles. You look really sad. Yeah, uh, just that was sad. <laughs> I, I bonded with that little like So you're enjoying yourself already. I am. So let me just explain. There's a few very basic key principles about Lego serious players method. So the first one is that it's a storytelling method, right? So each brick is a metaphor. Um, so each brick symbolises something. Now, that could be something very literal or it could be something more kind of abstract. So what did you just hold up there? You held I up, held up a, long th- a long, thin piece. Don't tell me it's I've done something beige, Freudian. Beige piece. So yes. uh, <laughs> if you were to say, what, what, what might that piece symbolise? Well, it's connection, isn't it? Like, I suppose Lego is all connection, but you can attach a lot of things to this. So yeah. it's the kind of it's the kind of thing that it's like the it's, sim- it's a foundation maybe that you could have a lot of other stuff coming off. Yeah, and what about the colour? Does that what does that symbolise to you, or the shape? I mean, I don't want to be Freudian about it, <laughs> but since we're that going there, <laughs> yes. Um, uh, uh, right, let's try not to be Freudian about it. It looks a bit like some chocolate. Okay, so you've got a bar of chocolate, mm. uh, you've got some connection. So the basic, uh, to <laughs> to avoid any deeper Freudian conversation, we'll keep going. But that uh, each brick is a metaphor, essentially, is the first principle of Lego serious play. The other two principles are that you um, you think with your hands. So it's it's a creative technique that's trying to get you out of this kind of front brain, pure logic, logic, rational mode, and tries to tap into other creative um, parts of your brain so that you're thinking kinesthetically with your hands and so there's a different kind of language here Uh, and then the third principle is that you listen with your eyes so that what you do when you've built your models is that you're communicating through your models and the meaning that you've embedded into them rather than necessarily the words you're saying so this particular play technique helps people find words or meaning in a much simpler way than a really convoluted conversation. That's the principle. 
so I wasn't messing about. I noticed when I was doing it, I was just firstly because you were shouting at me to build faster. But <laughs> I noticed, I noticed that I was just kind of going right, okay, that bit. But I was definitely choosing. Like I wasn't just picking that. I wasn't picking the five bits closest to me here. I was doing a sort it's of very I was, intentional. Yeah. So yeah, let me let yeah. me challenge you a bit further. Then is so with. Uh, if you, I want you to now pick five completely random pieces and put those together. Right. So completely randomly, and you're just going to put okay. them together. Okay, I'm going to do it. I'm not even going to look. Right? Am I allowed not to look? Yeah, I didn't look. You can look. Okay. 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 Six so mistake. if you want to show oh, that I've got, to the cameras, you've this, got your little Lego, person again. I've got, I, I got the little per- same little person again. Um, so here we are. I'm clearly a human. We've got a running team already. Kind of, kind, of, kind of person. Lego's great, isn't it? Lovely. Right, so right. my next challenge to you then is that that model that you've uh, you've that you've got there is uh, to describe it for the listeners at home, and then yeah. I want you to explain how that model can be a representation of your favourite hobby. I'm going to give you an easy one. Okay, I have made a Lego thingy of my Lego friend, a little Lego person with a flower for a head. Uh, standing on a long thin yellow brick and at the other end of the long thin yellow brick is what looks a bit like an anvil that I appear to have made and the entire the the, the totality of that is balanced inaccurately so as in non-centrally upon a thing that looks a bit like a lampshade so it looks a little bit like someone's on a seesaw and they are balancing uh they're sort of balancing out due to the forces of physics with an anvil. Um, and my favourite hobby, I suppose, is playing the saxophone. And so maybe this is about... Hmm, maybe this is about... Maybe I'm the person on the end and the weight of the weight of music is, is the other side. And I'm always trying to uh, somehow rig it so that I can balance myself against the fact that I'm not very good in the scheme of things or something. Very good. I love your, you. Have, look how much information and concept you rinsed out of those five blocks. Yeah, it's good very good. So let me give you. Can I give you another one? Yeah. Yeah. I'll take this one to bits. And leave leave that one there. So I'll ask you a climate one. So right. with the same model, is how would you uh, describe if you were to say that that model is a representation of climate activism? <laughs> I could do. That. How would you? How would you find meaning there? Well, I mean, it's almost like I did this on purpose, which I didn't do because I didn't know this was <laughs> going to happen. Um, but it very much as if humanity, taking again, it's, I've still got that kind of balance metaphor, as if humanity is balancing sort of inc- increasingly precariously on a seesaw that isn't central anymore and is having to tiptoe to the edge in order to try to keep this thing in balance, much, like, much like we are trying to do with yeah. the planet. So that's an amazing, um, huge concept there, exemplified in quite simple models. So that is, an, I'm glad that worked out quite well because that would <laughs> <laughs> well be terrible if this was an object failure, wouldn't it? But that um, people often find in the work that I'm doing is that because it's it's actually quite simple in a way, but there's a lot of grace to this method, and it allows mm. people to put huge amounts of meaning and emotion and experience and history into quite simple models and the thing is that you might connect and understand with what that model means to you without having to necessarily talk about it for 10 minutes
your brain, your brain, your brain on climate. On climate, climate, climate. When you're telling me to explain what's going on here, right, is what's happening that I've done something profound with this Lego, or is it more like I've just kind of given myself a new idea for what to do about something? Or well, what? it's both, right? So it right. can be that you're processing what you already understand in the past, but it's also an ideation method. So I've used this quite a lot in terms of helping people come up with creative approaches to any climate problem they solve. So um, the work that I do, I work with lots of different people in lots of different contexts, but what they all share is that they have a climate blocker. So there is a blocker to action or a blocker to feeling well or a blocker to their well-being or a blocker to their company doing X, Y, Z. And so I will help them through play, um, help make it safe, light and fun to face climate change so that they can engage more deeply, more honestly and more creatively in a topic that tends to make a lot of people want to run a mile. Um, but it really yeah. is that like simplification of complexity that works really well and the ability to distill emotion, particularly when it comes to climate, that works well in this method. But this is also only one play-based method. There's lots of other ways to be playful, but this is just one that I use because... The Lego doesn't tend to scare people or 95% of people don't find it quite so intimidating. And so it lowers the barrier for entry into a conversation that could be quite tricky. And so that's making me think a bit about the very serious business of thinking about climate change and the kind of the personas that particularly because, you know, you, you, you're a campaigner. I've been a campaigner. We've all been very sort of serious business and you kind of wrap yourself in a serious version of you and that i found for me really gets in the way of firstly me thinking actually honestly what i think about stuff but also in any kind of way being creative because you mm. don't feel like you can because you have to be all serious right yeah so is that a large part of what's going on here is you're snapping people out it, of that kind of personal seriousness uh, the yeah. origin of this for me personally comes exactly from that. So you mentioned, you know, my, my background is historically as a campaigner. I worked not not only as an environmental campaigner, but in, in latter years. So I was really involved in the, the last stages, particularly the public affairs work around the ban on fracking a few years ago that fortunately has held. Um, but actually at the point where I was most successful as a campaigner, um, I actually felt most depressed <laughs> about the about the way of approaching it, and it is partly because there's a there's an element of gameplay um, in that you know politics is a game, um, and you're kind of moving things around the board, but also this real norm of serious seriousness. I mm. felt personally just very, I felt very serious about my work at that time because I was really determined and really really working really hard and striving. But I actually just started to find it quite corrosive in myself and I stopped enjoying it. So perversely, at the point where I was most effective, I was actually becoming most jaded and most tired. So that's honestly like right in a nutshell why I found this idea around linking play and climate change, because it's about trying to say 
what are the ways that you can instinctively connect and actually motivate people? And what would it be like if people actually wanted to talk about climate change, if they actually wanted to have conversations and to think and to feel about things that are difficult for them, rather than it purely being a complete sense of responsibility or need and it being a heavy thing? Um, and that really, I just really fundamentally believe it's possible to hold the gravity and the seriousness while also finding ways to have that conversation. And if you take climate change out of it and you put, put ourselves in another conversation, you know, everybody knows that just telling kids off, for example, all of the time and just being really strict and really stern um, may change their behaviour by coercion, but it doesn't necessarily change the way that they feel in the way that you would want them to. Mm. And so, yes, of course, there's a time and play for play and playfulness. Um, and that in, I'm not suggesting we all sit there and play with Lego, um, you know, um, in, all, <laughs> in all instances. But there is a real benefit to um, trying to approach something in a different way because the ways we're trying to approach it now are not working well enough demonstrably not working well enough yeah exactly. um, i think that's probably one of the ideas of this podcast actually is to try and approach climate change from all sorts of different directions yeah. right so um and we are so totally stuck in even conceptualizing what climate change is a lot of the time Absolutely. i reckon that yeah I, I, I just i think that we are and the, the next episode is talking all about the metaphors that people use to talk about climate change and stuff and there's just a sort of common set of metaphors that are always used like yeah. war climate there's a war on climate or there's you know there's a road to reducing fewer emissions but you could have an infinity of metaphors to talk about climate Absolutely. change an infinity of ways to think about it right yeah and well this uh, hopefully this this uh, session with me today leads into that because this this Lego based method is all about metaphor and it's all about helping people conceptualize things in a different way. So the the way that I think about my work is that it helps people be more uh, honest. So my outcomes in terms of how I'm measuring the impact of play is how honest and imaginative people can be um, mm. as a result of the work. Um, and metaphor is quite important about that because the way we conceive of things and the language we use needs to be different. And that's where I think thinking about playful methods and kind of just unhooking our brains a bit and allowing ourselves to be a bit more playful is a really key part of just accessing um, different ways of thinking about things because we, you know, we, we can't get out of the paradigm we're, we're in by using the tools of the paradigm. You know, so it's... It, it's it's countercultural in a way to be to be thinking about how do you be playful in really difficult seri uh, serious circumstances. But fundamentally, I just think that that norm of serious seriousness isn't serving us. And actually, um, what we need is to be resourced. We need to be determined. We need to be hopeful. We need to be creative. And I really think that if you can help people understand. What, what would be a slightly more playful approach for them in their work, in their individual lives, but how they can find ways of connecting this important topic with their play personality, they are more likely to, to be motivated to get involved, stay involved, be involved more deeply.
what about so not everybody has boxes of lego sitting around the office although it sounds like you should get some everyone um, everyone should have some but but what are things you could do just at the start of it? Are there just some principles you could have that don't involve you know bits of Lego? Are there ways to just have this spirit in kind of every conversation you have about climate change? You think? Yeah, definitely, and that's a really good question. So I said at the beginning that I think about play as a method or a set of methods as well as a mindset. So um, behind that, if you look at play, the play theory, so the play, the theory of play psychology, there's a guy called Dr. Stuart Brown who's like. He's like the boss of play theory, and he talks about uh, there being eight different play personalities, and that everybody will be a mix of these different things. So uh, they are. I'm just going to read these out because I can't remember eight things. <laughs> they are jokers, kinesthetes, so people who like to move, people who like to explore. Um, I would take a guess that you and I are probably explorers. Competitors, directors, collectors, artists, and creators, and storytellers. So these are different modes of playing or personalities. So at an individual level, um, part of it is understanding, well, how do you like to play and how can mm. you connect that up? So if I think about myself and, you know, I said to you as an environmental campaigner, I was becoming as, you know, on the same trajectory, as stressed and as jaded at the same pace. When I started looking into this and I realised that actually for me, I'm, my play personality is I'm a huge, I'm a huge um explorer you know i love learning um i also like directing i like running events and pulling people together and curating and things so i found a way of um exploring and directing for work um uh, and so there are i would say to people think about what do you love doing when are you in uh you, you know when are you in flow when are you really just immersed in the moment and what's happening in that? So is it that you're playing sports? Are you playing with your kids? Are you reading? Are you writing? What What is it that you're doing? Because that probably is giving you some indication about what your play personality is. And it's this is, I know you've said this a thousand times, and I now want to say it a thousand times, because that I think the word play is the problematic bit almost, mm. isn't it? Because like this isn't about larking about. This is about like how you're how you best do stuff, like how you are creative, how yeah. you are immersed in a task. And all of the, God knows, you know, if we're trying to save the planet, we better bloody well enjoy the process of doing it because it's a slog, right? So maybe a better way of thinking about it is not play so much, but just what what, what do you love doing? Like when are you at your best, right? And I think that there's uh, there's a lot of people talking about, for example, joy in climate action. That's a word that crops up. There's a lot of people talking about creativity. And so in a way, you could just exchange the word play. I mean, it is a different thing if we're going to split hairs, but you could ex you could you could just exchange it with a word that you feel resonates with you more personally. Um, but what I would also say or two things. So one is. Every now and then, and it is very occasional, I do get a bit of a kickback being like, this is nonsense. <laughs> Why are you doing this silly stuff? You used to be so serious. Um, <laughs> What's happened to you, Lucy? What's <laughs> happened to you? You used to be nice and boring. I've just become my true self. But there is something very particular about the word play. And so I found that this um, unusual niche that I'm carving out for myself um, is partly because the word play 
resonates with people because it gives them something that they're not getting from anywhere else. And I think joy is the closest word um, that I've seen in the climate space is that people are absolutely, people who really care and are concerned about climate are just craving something else because it is really harming us um, because we're struggling to deal with something that's so significant and that people need a different way of doing it. And that play, because of the connotations with particularly childhood and therefore a lack of responsibility and freedom, etc., it kind of harks back to a more free-spirited, resourceful frame of mind. And I'm finding that that's why people are connecting with me, because they are just really desperate. And I really do mean desperate for something different. So what I'm trying to do is quite practically give people ways that they can bring play into their work, into their lives, um, into their conversations, their learning strategies, all of that kind of stuff. So you can bring play in, in a meaningful but still sensible adult way, but still connect with the benefits that you felt when you were a kid running around a field of wheat or whatever Whatever you think is, whatever you think is, Theresa. Nobody's ever perfectly behaved, are they? I mean, you know. Well, speaking of Theresa May, I'm glad you brought up Theresa. Um, I've just been thinking about how much of serious adult life, quote unquote, is actually play, or at least has elements of play to it. Think about politics, like politics itself and the way we do it. And, you know, serious business and all that. But quite a lot, go and look at the House of Commons and look at them all shouting at each other. And look at, they are like, there's something playful at best. That's the good word you could use for it, <laughs> going on there. So it does kind of infuse, I've just been reflecting, it does infuse so much of normal adult life, this sort of joy that we find and creativity that we find in stuff that is supposed to be serious. So it's not like, I guess I'm saying you're not, you're, you're just drawing our attention to something that actually happens all the time anyway, right? It's not a discrete thing. So this idea about play being something that you, you know, you sort of, you do it when you go and play badminton or you go and, you know, play a game of chess or something. Like it's this discrete thing. It really is a way of kind of walking walking down the road. It, it's kind of everywhere. And that might sound a bit conceptual and pretentious, but it is true. So if we take the House, uh, you know, the House of Parliament, um, for example, you know, what is the play personality of Rishi Sunak or Liz Truss or Keir Starmer? You know, and actually thinking, uh, thinking about that, there's, certainly an element of um, competition Boris Johnson massive storyteller <laughs> for that's example, one word for it yep. um, you know uh, and a joker but that's their play personalities um, that we we see come up and again and again uh, you know the director thing the ability to kind of try and curate um, yeah. is organized fun just the way that we behave you know um, and so from a climate point of view, I mean, there's lots of different ways of approaching um, behaviour change, of course. But if you can think of ways that you can understand someone's play personality and connect with them, personally, I I think that potentially really opens up much more radical ways of communicating. And so on an individual level, it's easier to have conversations. So a lot of my work is with smaller groups, let's say less than 20 people where you can have a conversation with people at a relatively individual level about who they are, what clicks with them. It's harder to do that on a mass scale. So if you said, for example, a lot of charities and NGOs use things like gamification in their communication to try and lighten the mood, which is playful, 
um, but it's not necessarily connecting with individuals play motivators so there's definitely some work to be done to think about how you could employ playfulness or cultivate playfulness as a mindset in whatever your context is so you've got a team of people like it probably makes sense to think about or get them to think about or together you think about the different ways that you play and then i'm thinking what happens if you've got say a team of eight people and they've got eight different ways they like to play is that a problem or not well i guess if you're thinking about that let's say in a work context which i think you're describing you know that's no different to a line manager having eight people in their team who uh, have different ways of being and you know respond better to different kinds of direction so i think i often think about if you could add playfulness as a trait as a trait into the words that we often hear so things like um resourcefulness adaptability um listening skills if you chucked playfulness into the mix as a core competency um, and you perhaps change the word to something more palatable for your context actually i think it's quite meaningful because it does relate to different people in different ways and through my work one of the things that i'm really interested to explore and experiment with a bit next year is how as a learning provider so i i run a learning and development business how can I find ways of tapping into each individual person's play personality within one session? Now, that's an interesting challenge for me. But how can you how can I create learning experiences that still has a stock curriculum or a you know, set of outcomes for everybody to share? But how you can personalize it and make it more bespoke so that everybody gets the same key outcomes, but they're more likely to get even better outcomes if you've been able to kind of really tap into them. So from a learning point of view, for people listening who are learning nerds like me, you know, we're very familiar with uh, the ideas around um, learning styles, is that actually if you added play styles into the mix as well, as a bit of a Venn diagram somehow, then I think you are really, really working out how to, how to play um, human psychology to the best. A friend of mine uh, sent me a picture the other day of a book and the book says it was like a 1970s, 1980s book and it said something like, it was a kid's book, and it was 10 fun games you can play by yourself in your head. That was the <laughs> name of it. And we had a joke about this might be the saddest book of all time, right? But then I got to thinking in the course of this that what I really need more than anything else, because I work remotely from home often by myself. And how do I find ways to be to spark that playful creativity by myself in my head without having a team meeting that's full of creative stuff? How can we just take a second and infuse that spirit into our work? Wow, that is a challenge. Um, good question. What if you've got no friends is my question. <laughs> Not everybody needs, you don't need necessarily need friends. Um, I think it does to be a broken record about it, I think you've got to go back to those basics about what makes you tick. So I know from for me, you know, I work from home as well. I need to go and move because I'm also a kinesthete, right? So I need to go and move and I go for a walk and I might kick around some leaves or touch, you know, I'm looking out my window and there's a load of frosty, frosty bushes outside, you know, and some hedges covered in frost. 
it's a very simple thing of actually just going and having the, the you know the touchy experience of going for a walk that is a form of play so you know i don't think this idea that play has to be someone comes in with a silly hat and starts reeling out loads of jokes sure that is one way of doing things but i think you just got to work out what works for you but that if you're in a frame of mind that isn't serving you so when you're sitting at your desk uh, there's nothing interesting going on between your ears you know you haven't had a creative idea all day and you're really tired is that go and play you know it is go and do something that is for five mm. minutes remotely interesting for you and replace it with play and say go and do something for five minutes that gives you a bit of joy or something you find interesting because that is play lucy thank you so much for coming on your brain on climate so tell everyone all about how they can follow you and your organization and find out more about this wonderful stuff thank you very much um so you can find me at climateplay.org um you can also find me um so climateplay.org you'll get the basics of what i do um, you can also find me on Eventbrite where I'll be uh, listing events coming up. So in February, I've got some events coming up for climate educators. So Lego Serious Play uh, for climate educators, anybody who's struggling to help people learn or connect with climate change, please do come along. Uh, you'll get a lot of Lego in person or you'll also get a bumper pack of Lego in the post. Uh, you can also find me um, on LinkedIn, where I talk about my learnings um, and my exploration with play um, on there. Um, and then next year, you can expect uh, a series of events for the general public. So they'll probably be online and in person. So anyone, anyone, regardless of what you do for work or how far you are along on a climate journey, is that you'll be able to come along and uh, think and feel your way through climate change in a very different way. So watch this space and I'd love you to come along and play one day. That was wonderful stuff and actually genuinely quite inspiring to just mess about with something oblique, mess about with some Lego. I say mess about, I of course mean mind my creativity and see what comes out. And that power of metaphor, that the things that you can suddenly think, and you know, we were doing it in a very intense way, very reduced kind of format, but it is really impressive. And it does make you think about how stuck we get in our personas and, and how hard it is sometimes for us to think about new ways of approaching problems. I strongly recommend both what we were doing there, you know, messing about with Lego, but other ways of setting yourself free are available. And as we talked about at the end there, maybe some of them can be done in your own mind. So another reminder that I'm on Patreon at patreon.com slash yourbraidonclimate. I'm not after making a profit out of this thing. I just want to try and pay the costs so that I can keep this show on the road. Uh, if you fancy chipping in for the price of a cup of tea a month that would be massively appreciated a huge thank you to Alex Ingram my first patreon Alex you are a star and the first no doubt of many you can get in touch with me let me know what you thought of the show on Twitter at Brain Climate at least for now I may navigate somewhere else at some point or drop me a mail at hello at yourbrainonclimate.com right very good I should be back in the new year until then I suggest, if you have any spare time this Christmas and you're playing board games or you're messing about indeed with Lego, why not take a second to think what new metaphors it may be unlocking? Or, if all else fails, just have a mess about for a bit and chill out. Because this is a time, after all, for chilling out a bit. Okay, bye! <laughs> <laughs>